Thanks for listening to the podcast from Gary Combs and the preaching team at Eastgate Church in Wilson, North Carolina. Check us out on the web at eastgate.church for more. And now, here's the sermon. Thank you, Sharon. I saw her testimony earlier this week after she had submitted it from our Life on Life discipleship process, and I was thinking, I'll just call her and see if she'll read it today, and I'm thankful for you being willing to do that, Sharon. Thank you. You know, God's given all of us a testimony, and it's important that you let your light shine. So uh, uh, thank you for that. And it's a, good, it's a good segue into our series. We're in part two of our series entitled Renovate, and we're talking not about renovating your house. We're talking about renovation of your heart. And today we're going to be focusing on the idea of renovating our thinking. Renovating our thinking. Our key uh, series theme verses from Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Life flows from the heart. Dallas Willard in his book, Renovation of the Heart, says we live from our hearts. We're tempted to believe if we change outward things that somehow we will be happy. But the truth is outward things don't change our hearts. Real life change begins on the inside and works itself out. Our uh, scripture today is from Ephesians chapter 4. And the key verse I want us to focus on today is, is verse 23 of chapter 4. It says this, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. That word renewed could be translated renovate, renovate or transform. So today we're talking about that, renovating our thinking. Now what does it mean to renovate our minds, our thinking? What does that mean? Well, we have to consider what the realm of thought is really about. Dallas Willard in his book talks about four uh, uh, factors of thinking. He says one of them is ideas. Ideas, the second is images, the third is information, and then the fourth one is uh, our ability to think. Because the truth is, some of us get in such chaotic states that we're not even really able to think clearly. And so he says there's these four factors. I would say the first two are the most important to consider, and we will be looking at the scripture today on how we might reflect on that, but that's the idea of ideas that form our thinking. Another way of saying that is your worldview or your perspective. What ideas form the way you think and believe and make decisions and what you consider true or false, what you consider right or wrong, that's ideas. And then images, that's those pictures in your mind that you've picked up along the way that form your thinking. And so we're gonna be looking at those things. What kind of ideas and images inhabit your thinking? Where did they come from? Do you have a mindset, a worldview shaped by the word of God? Or is it shaped by other things? Is it shaped by Hollywood, social media, your peer group, your parents? Well, I would say it's all of those things because all of us have a way of thinking and all of those different factors have shaped our mindset, our worldview, our minds, our thinking. And then I would wonder with you, how much of it has been shaped by this, by God's Word? And that's what we're talking about today, is is to think about how you think. Now, we're we're the only creature in God's creation that can do that. We can think about thinking. We can think about our thoughts and go, is that thought that I'm thinking right now from God and His Word, 
Or is that from someplace else? And if that's the case, how can I stop thinking like that? Okay? Because thoughts and thinking affect the heart. We might visualize the heart like this. When the Bible talks about the heart, it's not so much talking about this. It's more a metaphor for the seat of your will. Like the driver's seat of your life. There's your heart, and, your, and, and it's, it's, it's your will. Like the choices I will make. And, and the aspects of your, of your life that affect your will, the way you drive, the choices you make, whether you turn left or right, are things like thinking. How you think affects it. Feelings. We'll talk about that next week. How your feelings affect your heart. How your body affects your heart. Your decisions. How, how other people, social relationships. So that's kind of the pathway we're following. We're looking at all the aspects of human life and what the Bible says about how to bring them into alignment with God's heart so that your will and God's will come into alignment like that. And I've, I've, I've told some of you, I see some of you with those bumper stickers on the back of your car that, that says, God is my co-pilot. You need to go out there and rip that off and get God in the driver's seat. That's what we're really talking about. You, you get out of the driver's seat and, and say, I want God's will for my life. And so we're, we're looking at how we can bring our thinking into alignment. Now, the truth is, a lot of us are double-minded. We have some of God's word and some of the world, and so it causes us to be confused about things like marriage. And so, so, so marriage is affected by our double-mindedness. Parenting. Financial stewardship, sexuality. I could just keep going, right? So what the world says about sex, what the Bible says about it. What the world says about possessions, what the Bible says about it. What the world says about marriage, what the Bible says about it. And so you got these two sets of values, and they are contrary to each other. And so we get double-minded if we're not careful. Now, to be double-minded has the idea of, of attempting to look in two directions simultaneously. Now, you probably haven't tried this since you were kids, but if you try to do this, you'll get dizzy. Like that, don't try it right now. It'll be very distracting. But maybe when you get home, try it and see if you can keep your feet. But we're doing that. That's our thought life. And we have wrong ideas about these issues because we have stinking thinking. We have bad thoughts that come from the world, and we need a cleanup. And did you know this, that you can have the mind of Christ? You can think the thoughts. You can know God's will for your life. God wants you to know that. Let's look at the text today. Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 17. The apostle Paul taught the, the believers in Ephesus that they could yield their minds, their thinking to the Lord, and that the Lord would give them a new way, a new life, a new self, a new heart, a new way of thinking. And I believe today that we can do this. We can yield our hearts and our minds, our thinking to Jesus. Don't you want some of this? We're going to look at the text today, and we'll see three ways we can yield our minds, our thinking to God. Starting at verse 17, now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. 
They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And this is God's Word. Amen. Three ways on how to yield our minds to God for renovation. Here's the first. Recognize the need to put off your old way of thinking. Recognize the need to put off your old mindset, your old way of thinking, to get rid of stinking thinking, to get rid of that, to put it off. We look at verse 22, and we'll see the origin of this point. Verse 22 says, put off your old self. In fact, there are three infinitives. If you remember your, your grammar school stuff, your grammar, uh, there are three infinitives here that are driven by one verb. It's, the verb is found in verse 21. You were taught in him. You were taught. When you received Jesus, you heard the gospel, that Jesus died for your sins, he was raised from the grave, and he lives today. So you heard that, you were taught that, you responded by faith, which gave you a new life. That's how you were taught. And now that, these three infinitives come out of that. The first infinitive is to put off. The second one is in verse 23, to be renewed. And the third one is in verse 24, to put on the new self. So those are our three, those are our three points in the sermon. Why do I tell you that? It's because I believe that the scripture is not only inspired by word, it's also inspired by grammar. And so when we look at things like this, I want you to know that I didn't come up with this. I'm telling you what God's word said. And, and there's these three ways that we're to walk out what we've learned about Jesus. You with me? So to put off, there's something to put off. If you're going to do a renovation, you first have to do the demolition. Now, my, my son Jonathan and his wife Nicole are, are redoing their kitchen. They've lived in the house for a while. They've been talking about it. They're tired of looking at it. It's, the, the cabinets are drooping. They're, they're, they're not level. That, this, that, and the other. They, they wanted a new kitchen. And so, the, I don't know if you saw it on Facebook, but there's a photo of my son Jonathan with a, with a uh, sledgehammer and a big smile on his face. And he's knocking those cabinets down. And he's having a big time. He's knocking those things down. He's getting the job begun. You know, he's getting the cabinets out of the house. But then there's another picture of him down on his knees with a crowbar trying to get that ceramic tile up. He's not smiling. He's not smiling. He's like, Dad. I was like, you should have called me. So he goes, Dad, you got, you got them knees. You got that back. You didn't want to be any part of this. It, it took him like one afternoon to get those cabinets down. It took him two weeks and, to get that ceramic tile up. It was just like on the floor, glued, and the, the subfloor started coming up with it. And, and, you know, getting rid of old thinkings like that, when you first come to Christ, there's some stuff that just goes. You're just like, I knew that. I, thank you, Lord, for getting that out of my thinking. Then there's some other stuff that's just stuck to your soul. And it takes... It takes effort to lift it up to the Lord, to crowbar it out. Now you might say, but yeah, I thought, I thought salvation was free. 
You're right. It is absolutely free. But grace is opposed to earning, not effort. You can't earn grace. It's free. But having received grace, you draw on it and work it out. You practice it. You pull the grace and then you use it to crowbar that stuff out of your life. To get the old way of thinking out. He says in verse 17, I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. The word walk has the idea of your lifestyle, your walk, how you live day by day, step by step. It's your lifestyle. You shouldn't live like the pagans do anymore. Like your former life, the worldly people. Stop living that way. And he begins to describe how they think in the futility of their minds. Verse 17, futility means empty, worthless, useless. Their thoughts are not helpful to them. There's a futility to their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding. They live in the dark. Their understanding is not in the light, but in the dark. They're alienated from the life of God. Their thinking is in opposition to God. Their thinking and God's thinking are opposed. They're against one another. And why is that? Well, he explains, because of the ignorance that is in them. The ignorance. Uh, the word ignorance there is where we get the word agnostic, no knowledge. They don't, they don't know God. And why don't they know God? It's due to the hardness of heart. Hardness of heart. So they could know God, knowing God's available to that mind, but they've hardened their hearts against the knowledge of God. Hardness of heart might be stubbornness or rebellion of heart. They, they know there's a God in their own conscience. They know, but they've said no so many times that it's hardened their hearts. That word hardened in the Greek kind of has an overlap meaning with, uh, from its root of the idea of the, the eye to get a hardening of, uh, of the cornea. So, so that, that, happens, that causes blindness. That causes blindness. So it's kind of like hardening of the heart or blindness of the heart, which, fix, which fits this darkness image that Paul is uh, inspired to, to, to teach us about, that they're blind. But it comes from the rebellion of the heart saying, I will do it my way, God, not your way. Remember, the heart is the seat of the will. I, here's what sin is. Yeah, it's these actions and behaviors, but it all begins with an attitude of the heart that says, my way, not your way. I'm going to do it my way. After my children learned to say, mommy, daddy, then they learned to say no because they heard that so often. But the first sentence I remember my firstborn saying is, I do it myself. I do it myself, daddy. We're all born with that. We're all born with a sin gene, a, a will that wants its own way. And so this heart is hard. And because they've said no to God so often, verse 19, they become calloused. Now, I have calluses on my hands. The last few weeks in my free time, I've been trying to, dip, uh, to take down an old fence and put up a new fence. 
And have you ever used post hole diggers? You ever done that? Oh my goodness. You get, you get blisters at first, and then hopefully, before, the, before too long, you get calluses. Now the blisters are painful, but then once you get the calluses, you lose feeling. And you can just work. You don't feel it. Well, you feel it other places, but you don't feel it in your hands anymore. And so that, that's what that word callous means here. It's the idea of losing feeling. And so they've come to the point where they've so hardened their heart, they've said no to God so many times that they no longer feel anything spiritually. They've said no to God every time he's asked them, every time, he's, every time Jesus has knocked at their heart's door, they've said, later, I hear you, but later, let me, let me do this myself first. Let me clean up my own life first, then let me have this fun first because I really enjoy this. I don't want to stop doing that because I feel like if I say yes to you, i got to stop doing that, and I, I choose that over you. And so every time they do that, they, they begin to lose feelings so they no longer even hear the echo of God spiritually. They become callous in their thinking. And because they no longer hear they give themselves up to sensuality because they got to feel something. We're built to feel. And since they can't feel anything, they, they give themselves up to things to get the feeling back. You know, if I drink this much, last time I got better, but now I got to drink twice as much. If I drug this much, now I got to drug that much more. If I have this kind of sex, now I got to have that other kind of sex. I got to have this riskier kind. I got to do this. I got to do more of that in order to get the same feeling because I don't feel anything anymore. And so they, they become greedy, hungry for every kind of impurity because they're calloused and they're blind and they're in the dark and they no longer hear God. They no longer, they're in complete opposition. This is, Paul says, that's where you used to be. Put it off. Put it away. Get rid of it. Romans chapter 1 is like a parallel passage of Ephesians 4. Verse 21 of Romans chapter 1 begins to explain how our thinking got so empty and futile, how our hearts got so hardened and dark. Paul writes, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. They became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. You turn from God, and then down, down, down. But it starts with thinking, doesn't it? You, first of all, in your thinking, you decide, I'm going to lower my eyes from worshiping God to worshiping the creation. I'm going to lower my eyes from worshiping God to worshiping self. It begins with just a decision of the thought and of the heart, and then it, it affects our thinking and our hearts from then on. And as a result, we get strongholds in our thinking. We don't even know they're there. We get false thinking, wrong thinking that makes us make bad decisions from our heart. Because we, we have stinking thinking. And so then we make stinking decisions. And then we pay for them. It says in 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about these strongholds and the necessary to do a demolition. He says, the weapons we fight with 
are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. It's kind of like this, you know, you, you have a thought and, and maybe it's an idea or maybe it's an image. We got, we got a young guy here, he's been married for a couple of years and he got hooked on pornography. You're saying, are you talking to me? I don't know, am I? I'm not talking to anybody specifically. I'm talking to all the men right now just for a moment. Maybe the wives too because it give you an insight into how men are more apt to have um, difficulty with images. Men and women can, but men are especially susceptible because we're more image-driven. You, you, you were addicted to pornography as a single man, and now you can't break it. And you thought getting married was going to fix it, and it didn't. But now you expect your wife to look like those images, which are not real, and to behave like those video images that you've allowed to inhabit your thinking. And now it's injuring your marriage, and it's injuring your wife. It's injuring your intimacy. That's stinking thinking. That's not real. But those images are in your thought life. You got, you got to do a demolition, guys. And so you take that thought captive. You get a hold of that thought and you bring it to the mirror of God's Word. James says the, the Word of God's like a mirror. You can hold it up to your soul and you can see yourself. And if you're a believer, you don't have to run from it because of grace. You're fully forgiven. You can show it to the Lord and He'll say, I've already forgiven you of that. Let me help you get it out. And so, so you bring that, that image and you bring it up to the mirror and you go, now, does that agree with God's Word? No. What do I do with it? Put it out. Get rid of it. And then piece by piece, we do a demolition of the old way of thinking. We bring it into the presence of the Word of God and we saturate our lives with God's way of thinking and piece by piece, we compare our thinking. Are you worried about something? Are you anxious about something? The Word of God says that we're not to worry. Jesus said, do not worry. That doesn't sound like a suggestion. It, it's, a, it's a command from the Lord Jesus. Don't worry. Worry's the opposite of faith. Worry's a sin. Yeah, but, yeah, but I've always been this way. I know. You used to live with futile thinking in the darkened state of your mind. You were walking in ignorance. You had a hard heart, but you don't anymore. Put it off. So there's anxiety. Do not worry. Oh, I need, I need to get rid of that. I need to stop because some of you look at me like, now you ain't preaching anymore, you meddling. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on. Some of you look like you're about to throw tomatoes at me or something. There are a lot of isms in the world that we've got to put off. You know, you know what isms are? Isms, isms are where humans try to explain how to fix something. And every time they come up with what they think is a solution, which comes from their darkened thinking, they end up with something that makes it worse. Materialism. Sexism. Radical feminism, humanism, racism, 
Communism, socialism, I could keep going. There's a lot of isms. If you're mad at me right now, one of those isms is probably your worldview. And what I'm asking you to consider is to compare it to God's worldview and decide which one you want to have in your thinking. What's your thinking shaped by? Are you willing to put off and demolish your old way of thinking? Are you willing to cast it aside and say, Lord, I want to think like you, no longer thinking like myself? Well, let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. That second to put off was the first to be renewed in verse 23 is the second way. Verse 23, to be renewed. Learn to continually submit your thinking to Christ. Sub, just learn this, I, this idea to be renewed is in, is, is in the present kind of tense. It's kind of funny. The, the other two infinitives, the put off and the put on in verse 24, those are both in a Greek tense that means do it and then it's done and it has continuous effect so that you put it off and then having put it off, it has a, an effect. You put it on, it has an effect. But this one, be renewed, is in the present tense Greek, which has the idea of keep on doing this. This is a constant decision where you're constantly going, should I be thinking this? Or is this thought from you, Lord? Do I need to take that thought captive and compare it to your truth? Am I believing a lie right now? Like that. So it's continual to be renewed, to be renovated, to be transformed, continuous in the spirit of our minds. Now the word spirit in some translations as this one in the ESV is lowercase, which has the idea of the immaterial aspect of the mind. You can't see the mind. You know it's real, but you can't see it. So it could be lowercase spirit. So it's, it's the immaterial, the unseen mind that needs to be continually renewed because God has no problem with the seen or the unseen. He, he, he is active in both. It could be, some translations capitalize the word spirit and then it means the Holy Spirit. And the truth is when you read commentaries on this, they're almost equally divided between both possibilities and so as a result, I'm usually a both and guy anyway, so I've kind of landed, well I think it might be both. I think it is the immaterial aspect of the mind that needs to be renewed, but the only one that can renew my mind is, is the Spirit of Christ. I can't change through effort my way of thinking, but I can, through the effort of my will, ask Him to change it. Amen. Do you notice the difference? You might think, well, what's the difference? There's a difference. He has the power to change the way I think. Some of us are so in pain by our thinking right now. You can't, you, doesn't matter where you run, you can't run from you. Right there it is. The way you think. Lord, help me to think the way you want me to think. About me, about myself, about you about others, about the situation I'm facing. 
Romans chapter 12 gives us further instruction about how to stop the outward pressure of conforming and to be transformed. Look at Romans. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Stop letting the world shape your thinking. Instead, ask the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, to metamorphosis, the word transformed, from the inside out, not outside in, change your mind, renew your mind, renovate your mind, so that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. So now you know the will of God. It's good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone, you should not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but with sober judgment. So now you'll have a better view of God. You'll know His will. You'll, you'll be able to think of yourself. So your, uh, your self-image, your self-esteem will be rightly appropriate to the way God looks at you. You ever, you ever go, you're by yourself somewhere and, and you're just mad at yourself about a decision you made or the way you're feeling or somebody offended you and you couldn't think fast enough to say what they deserve to hear back until you got in the car on the way home and then you just like told them off in the car on the way home. I wish I could have thought of this when I was there, but I, I couldn't. And now, boy, I wish I could just tell them. And, and, and then you say something like this to yourself. You say, you're just so dumb. You're just such a, you're such a dummy. And you start calling yourself names. You don't do that? You don't do that? Never done that? Y'all yeah. in the house? You ever done that? That's stinking thinking. Because the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and for you because he counts you so precious that he was willing to pay with his very life in order to bring you into fellowship with, with, with the Father. The value that he places on you is of infinite worth. Don't you call yourself something like that. It's contrary. It's an opposition to the way God thinks about you. So get a hold of that thought. Take it captive. Bring it into the mirror of God's word and go, hmm, that don't belong in my mind. He loves me. Oh, he loves me. Oh, he loves me. I, I better not talk about myself like that. He might get upset with me talking to myself like that because he loves me. He, he has a higher view of you than you do. And he knows you better than you know you. How do we, how do, we do this? How do we get this transformation? What effort do we do if, if it's all paid for by him? Last week I said it's like he bought you a closet full of clothes, but you've got to take off the old clothes and you've got to put on love, joy, peace. You've got to go to the closet. By grace, he paid for them, but you still have to put them on. And this week we're talking about the idea of the mind. So here's what David did, Psalm 139. Here's how he got at it with God. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. God, you know my heart and my mind. You know my thinking. I'm so confused right now. I don't know which way is up. So look at me. If there's anything out of alignment, show it to me. I want to follow you. God will answer a prayer like that every time. And if you don't know how to word that prayer, pray Psalm 139 to God. It's already prepared for you. I don't know if you've ever worked a job where you were using a computer. Your computer just gets all fouled up. You can't figure it out. don't know what to do. So you call the guys downstairs, IT. 
You call them, they pick up the phone, and you start describing the problem, and they go, hold up, hold up. Have you tried to restart it? Right? That's what they, have you tried to hit the restart button? Here's what Paul's saying. Here's what the Holy Spirit's saying. Hit the restart button. You need, you need, you need an upgrade. You need to clean out the garbage. And, 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 and hit renew, hit restart. And how often? Pretty often. Every time a thought is out of alignment, what happens as you grow? Here's what it looks like as you grow. You start recognizing it more quickly. It's not that the battle's over. That's because it's in the present tense to describe that. You have to constantly ask for renewal. But every time your mind gets clouded by the wrong way of thinking, that's when you need to ask for renewal. You say, search me, God. Is that right? Does that line up with your word? Ooh, you're right. It doesn't. And the way he does it's not condemning. Now, the world tells you it's condemning. But he's, he's already put all of his judgment, all of his condemnation on Jesus. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ Jesus, he already took all the condemnation. That's grace. And so you can just show him. Say, look at my thought life. And some of us are so ashamed of our thoughts. But he already knows them. So look at them, Lord, and tell me how to get this out. Help me. Which leads us to number three. Leads us to number three. The third way, put on the new self, which is the mind of Christ. Put on the new self, which is the mind of Christ. We're at verse 24. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Created. This is a new creation. This is a new mind. Created in the likeness of God. Now, what, is that, what does God look like? You ever wonder what God looks like? Go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and read about Jesus, and then you'll know what God looks like, what he talks like, how he feels, what he says. John chapter 1, verse 18 says, No one's ever seen God, but, but God, his Son, the, the only begotten, he has seen him and he's made him known. Colossians 1.15 says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. You want to know what God looks like? Look, look, look to the face of Jesus. You want to know God personally? You've got to go through Jesus. And that's what God's up to. What are you up to, God? Why am I going through this? What in the world? What, Lord, where are you? If you're a believer, I know what he's up to. He's conforming you to the image of Jesus. He's, he's making you fit for heaven. He's, he's preparing you for heaven. When he saved you, he prepared you for heaven. And now that he's living in you, he's trying to get heaven in you. So that you live like you're already there. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul's talking about the mind of Christ. He says the natural person, which speaks of the person that doesn't know God, he's in a natural state, not a spiritual state. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly, foolishness to him, and he's not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. So the Word of God, preaching, all this stuff's just kind of foolishness. That makes sense because they're still in that darkened state, that hardened heart state. But then it speaks about the spiritual man. The spiritual person judges all things, but is 
is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. What do we have? What do we have? Do you see it? Look at that scripture. Just look at that. What do you have available to you? And you're still thinking your thoughts? You're still thinking the way the world taught you to think? The way, the way your thought patterns were formed by your parents, your peers, your education, uh, Hollywood, the social media, all these outward conformities be transformed so that you can have the mind of Christ. The beauty and the wonder of that intellect, that will, is yours? That's what? What? And you, you, you don't want that? Come on. But you got to do a demolition. <laughs> you got to get some stuff out. And you got to ask for it. You got to be renewed. And then you got you to make an install. Okay? You, you got to install some stuff. If, you, if you've renovated your kitchen, you got the cabinets out, you got the floor out, you've had to rebuild the subfloor under where the sink leaked, and you had to go all the way down. You've, you've done all that. Well, that, that kitchen ain't ready. Can't, no, you've you got to come in with some new cabinets, new countertops. I don't know. I feel, like, I feel like if you get the mind of Jesus, they might be granite. They might be granite. I don't know. They might be top-notch. <laughs> Am I carrying the metaphor too far? Huh. You've got to install some appliances. I don't know. Then you've got a kitchen. I don't know what room of the house you're working on, but God wants to work on your thought life. He wants to work about how you think about things. And the way you think about things affects the way your heart chooses things. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're working out. And here's what you have. By grace you have. You didn't earn this. You have the mind of Christ. Now what does it look like to put it on? Okay, let's get, let's get real practical, okay? Let's not just leave it theoretical. I'm going to read a longer passage. I don't plan to preach it but I might do a little bit of preaching as I read it. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Put, re, put, put joy in your mind. That's from Jesus. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Be reasonable. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Get rid of anxiety and worry. But in everything by prayer, put prayer life so that you're continually praying. With supplication and with thanksgiving, uh, put thanksgiving in your mind that your requests may, may be known to God. And the peace of God, put shalom in your mind. Put peace in your mind, which surpasses all understanding and will guard your hearts and what? Your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, get ready. You've got a lot of apps to install on this new OS. Older people, ask your grandkids when you get home what the pastor's talking about. <laughs> comes a bunch of apps that come from Jesus. He's already paid for them. This new OS, this new way of thinking, these will just snap right on. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence of anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Let those inhabit your thinking. It's a new way of thinking. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. What did you hear as a child, especially if you took piano? Practice makes, makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. It, 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 it helps you. It comes natural after a while. You're just like, 
you know what, I'm not going to think about things the way I used to think. Well, you can't do that. But through the power of Jesus, I claim the mind of Christ. I'm going to, I'm going to start thinking on things that are commendable, things that are excellent, things that are lovely. And whenever something comes along that causes me to not think that way, I might consider getting rid of that thing. Whatever that is that's coming through my eye gate or my ear gate, through my TV, through my social media, through my peer group, through my education system, I'm going to start challenging those things. And I'm going to put on better things. When I was working on my undergrad, I'm a, I was a music major my undergrad. Uh, you have to choose a musical instrument if you major in music. I chose classical guitar. And my senior year, in order to graduate, I had to give a one-hour recital demonstrating my proficiency and mastery of all the classical guitar periods, Baroque, Renaissance, classical, 21st century, etc. I had to put on a solo performance for one hour. I was a wreck. I mean, I was a wreck. I'm backstage before the recital with my guitar professor. She had studied under Andres Segovia in Spain, the father of the classical guitar. That's who my professor was. And she's back there, Gary, practice makes perfect. We've practiced for four years. We've practiced every day. You're ready for this. Oh, you're so ready. And, and you know, when you practice, you have muscle memory. Even if your brain gets a little anxiety you'll remember your fingers will do the walking they will remember i looked at my fingers when she said that they were doing this i was looking at them they were shaking i couldn't stop them from shaking and it's like i had spider-man stuff here shooting sweat like <laughs> sweat was shooting off my fingers you ever try to do something play like my hands were just sliding all over the guitar and i'm backstage i made her nervous i got so nervous i walked out on stage and kind of peeped to see who was showing up through the curtain and I saw sitting in the front row three professors from the music department sitting there with their clipboards getting ready to grade me I was like oh boy oh boy I looked out there I saw some other people that I knew I was like maybe they'll pull for me I don't know well you'll be glad to hear I graduated I passed okay but boy was it stressful and my teacher was correct it was the practice now, when I first got out there, i got to admit, I flubbed the first song. Whew. But then I eased up, and I started playing the stuff I knew how to play because I had practice in a non-stressful environment. So when the hammer of stress came, my natural response, or maybe natural is not the word, my practiced response with the help of my master teacher who taught me was I could play even under stress. Now, do you know where I'm going with this? Jesus is your master teacher. You're the, he's the one that plays everything perfectly, and you're following him. And if you'll follow him when you don't think you need him, you always need him, but because you still have stinking thinking, sometimes you think you don't need him. In those places where it's quiet, practice putting on love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Practice putting those things on. Uh, e even if you're a, a mom with a bunch of kids and one of them's a baby and it's just nonstop and you can't get away, if you just, before you put your feet on the floor in the morning, just say, God, is there anything between me and you? Is there anything in my thinking I need to surrender to you? Help me. I'm worried about this. I'm concerned about that. But you, I give that to you. Replace that with your way of thinking. And then begin to name 
Lord, I feel down today. That's not from you, is it? Give me joy. Lord, I feel worried today. That's not from you. Give me faith. Lord, I... And you, you make the exchange. And he's paid for it. That's grace. Your effort is the asking. And then the practicing of it. So that you have a new way of thinking. A new way of living. Put on the mind of Christ. Practice his character. Don't wait until stress, worry, and trouble come. Start now. Then when it does come, Christ in you will be what emerges rather than the old you. Surrender your thinking to God's renovation. Put off the old ways. Do a demolition. Renew your minds calling on Christ. Put on the new character traits. Thoughts are the place where we can and must begin to change. It's the first place that really affects the heart. And over the next few weeks, we're going to continue this conversation. Next week, we'll be talking about how our feelings and desires also affect our heart and how the Bible gives us real help with these with these things. I would remind you, if you're here for, and you weren't here last week, pick up one of our Renovate 40-day journals in the lobby. Some of you may have been here last week and we ran out. We're so sorry. We have plenty in the lobby today. Uh, there's been a great demand for them. And so you, it's not too late to start. Uh, this week, you'll notice, start at, verse, or start at day six, if you just start this week. And this week is all going to be verses about your thinking and how to bring that into alignment with the mind of Christ. Well, let's take some time now and talk to the Lord. Lord Jesus, first I pray for that person that came in today far from you. They came in today and they're in that state, that way of life where they're completely, they, they have to admit they've been walking in the dark, but they're so tired of it. And they're ready to walk into the light. Is that you, my friend? Are you ready to say, Lord Jesus, I, I do hear you knocking at my heart's door. And today I've made a decision to say yes. I'm, I'm not going to say no anymore. I say yes. Come into my life. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And that you live today. Come and live in me. Make me a child of God. Give me a new heart and a new mind. I want to follow you. And others are here today and you already know the Lord, you're already a Christ follower, but, but your life has been double-minded. You've been trying to do some of what God says and some of what the world says, and it's just made you miserable. Would you choose to follow the Lord fully today? Just do it right now. Say, Lord, I put it all away. I, I'm, I'm ready to do the demolition. Lord, I, wanna, I want my thought life to match Jesus. I want the mind of Christ. We're praying it now in Jesus' name. Amen.